Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast. In today's episode, we talked to Susan Nicholas, MD. Y'all, she was mind-blowing. So mind-blowing. Oh my gosh. So like where she was and how she has designed her life. I feel like designed isn't the right word, but what she covers, you know, the how you can kind of come out of your body to change your life. Now, I am definitely not given the right vocabulary here, but it's, you know, for me, it's mystical, but it's also scientific in that once you can change that, you can change everything about yourself. And I think this is something that's very important when it comes to writing is that sometimes it's just the thoughts. It's not whether our pen is sharp enough, which actually would be a pencil, pencil sharp enough that our notebook isn't clean enough it's all in her mind. And I think that she really opens those doors. She talks about them. She hits on them. And I think this is going to provide a huge dose of inspiration for you. Just a reminder, we're in the middle of NaNoWriMo. So I hope everything is going well. Keep it up. Even if you're behind, no worries. No worries. Enjoy the process. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Write a Book podcast, the show that helps you plan, write, and publish your book, even if you're a beginner or just feel like one. Now, for your host, she's written over a dozen books and helps others bring their books to life. Here she is, Maciel. Hey there, writers. Let's take a beat to talk about a special announcement. So November is your month of transformation. Get a one-hour coaching session with me by choosing one of these three options, or all three. Option one, join our Patreon for $1, which will support the show. Option two, book a $1 coaching session on coach.me. Option three, leave an Apple podcast review. Send a screenshot to my email and get a coaching spot. You can do all three and get three hours of coaching with me. Find all the links in the show notes. Act fast. This offer is only valid for November to celebrate National Novel Writing Month. Thanks. All right. And welcome back to the How to Write a Book podcast. Thank you so much, Susan Nicholas, MD. Thank you for being here today. How are you? I am well. Thank you, Maciel. It's wonderful to be here. It's super wonderful to have you. Um, just like I was saying before we started recording, you have so many brilliant topics that I, I really want to dive into. But um, we'll just we'll let the conversation go where it needs to go. But let me do a little bit of an introduction so that people can know what I'm talking about, and then I'll hand it over to you. Okay. So, awesome. You are a former physician and surgeon. After a, after a conscious awakening in 2012, transitioned your life into soul healing work. Now you're a telepathic medical intuitive and energy healer, a three-time author, international speaker on life transformation, and you have a signature talk on the frequency of money, which helps to heal relationships with money and live worry-free. You're also the founder of the Human Consciousness Consortium Publishing, where you have your, your three books, including children's books. Um, and when you're not writing, speaking, or working, you can be found hosting your weekly Be Conscious podcast. Wow, that is amazing. <laughs> One word, amazing. What did I not cover? Please introduce yourself to the audience. 
Oh, thank you, Marcel. So I, um, since uh, I guess I haven't updated my website since I've done this, but I've actually written six books. Oh. And my, it, that's because I'm writing a children's book series and they haven't all been published yet. And I recently brought on a board and what we're going to do is package all of those, uh, these future titles, ones that I haven't yet published into a series, like into a block that they come out um, a series. And really the intention behind that is to create an animated children's series. And this is how this came about. I know you, your podcast is about how to write a book, or that's the title of it. I started out writing an, a book for adults called The Duality of Being, Perspectives for Multidimensional Travel. And it really details not just the out-of-body experiences, but the discoveries that came from it. Like there were so many things about that experience or having those experiences that completely changed my perspectives about life, like the totality of existence, not just mine, but yours, all of ours. And one of the things that I recognized is that um, everything at its very core is energy. Even I believe that the core of us or what people would call the spirit uh, or the soul or the essence of us, I believe at the very core of it, it is energy. And one one of the things that I would say I was gifted with from my conscious awakening was the ability to move and see energy. And so I would, uh, I started a healing practice. I got my healing attunements through a Reiki master. I got my master attunements and then I started seeing clients. And this is back in 2017 when I actually started moving energy. I had my awakening in 2012. I could feel chi emanating from me. But it took that long for me to come into this, like to really embody it, embrace it, and let's say practice uh, in the spiritual realm. And so <clears throat> my first clients were, were moms or people like me, uh, people that kind of like the soccer mom type. Uh, I have a, a teenager now, but back then I, I had an elementary school child. And uh, what I noticed was, First, the moms would come to me, and then they would bring me their children. And I think what, I mean, there's a lot of entanglements here, and and I'm sure you'll be able to follow in your listeners. But I believed, there was a part of me that believed for a very long time that what ailed me as an adult, like what made me sad or depressed or worried, or insecure originated in my childhood. And when I look back at my childhood, I was born into poverty uh, in, in the United States. And I know there's varying levels of poverty, but I was born into what we call housing projects, um, the welfare the, the welfare system. Um, I was born to a teenage mother, 17-year-old mom, um, with a ninth grade education. And we had very few resources. And so I believe that a lot of things that ailed me came from that early life of not having enough or believing that we didn't have enough. So fast forward, I'm a grown-up person. I have my own kid. I start my energy practice, and I see these children that are coming, um, that are being brought to me. They don't have the same circumstance that I did that I believed was the root of the issues. Um, they had two loving parents um, that they had more than enough. Um, private school, uh, the, all their immediate needs were met. I would say that these would be wealthy 
kids from wealthy families that I, you couldn't easily pinpoint what the issue was. But still, the energy of these children were heavy, and they were having their own struggles. And so it's, it's, it began to make me question my beliefs. Mm. And I think that's the crux of transforming or changing any belief is when you begin questioning it. So think about Maciel, um, in this country, I mean, I think in a lot of Western countries, we instill this, what we think is a harmless belief in our children about Santa Claus, Mm -hmm. you know, or the Easter bunny or, you know, you name it, tooth fairy. But what the child, you know, when we first introduce it, believes it, right? They don't think that their parents are Santa Claus and all that. They believe that there's this, kind of mythical kind of person or place, the North Pole, where they're elves and, you know, the whole story, build the whole thing up. And as a society, we all bought play into it. We all, it's like a consensus that we're going to play this trick on our children. Okay. We don't think it's harmless. But what happens is when the child gets of a certain age, they begin to question the belief. Mm -hmm. Right. And then once we begin to question it, whether we are children or grown-ups, then we have the capacity to transform that belief. Now, the belief in Santa Claus, we would say, oh, that's harmless. But what about other beliefs, Maciel? Mm -hmm. What about beliefs that you're not good enough? What about the belief that you're not worthy? What about the belief of that, you know, somehow you're dirty or uh, stupid or what other things ugly that we carry with us? Yeah. And so a lot of those things, those those beliefs harm us. I believe they have the capacity to harm us because we somehow believe we're not good enough in some way to have everything that we need or to be what we what we feel in our soul we're meant to be mm-hmm. or do what we really want to do, you know, what we feel like empowered to do from a, a, a sacred place. And so I, I love, you know, that your books, you know, many people are like, oh, I want to write a book, but they believe that they cannot. And sometimes they believe they, they cannot because they believe that what, that they can't afford to. Mm-hmm. Right. That uh, as creatives, whether you're writing, whether you're speaking, podcasting, acting, singing, these creative arts, we feel that, oh, you have to use it to the very highest level of it to be supported. Otherwise, you have to work to pay bills, work to survive, and that dream of writing, of speaking, of creating art, or whatever, of whatever medium, um, you believe that you can't do it. I used to think that. I, I used to believe that. Now, and I've spoken to you that I've written now six books. But before I wrote my first one, it was this thought in my head that I'm like, oh, I'm going to write a book. I even know what I'm going to title it. Like, I believe it is like it was downloaded to me, like from the ethers. I was like, this is what inspiration is. Uh, but even with that, I believe that I was like, well, how is that going to support me? Mm-hmm. And so I went into an old belief system that for years I didn't write the book for years. Um. I mean, I, from conceiving it to publishing it was like five years. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not that it took me five years to write it. <laughs> it's just that I, I never could begin because I would, I had all of these belief systems about what that meant and what it would and wouldn't do. And if I'm honest with you, Maciel, despite all the work that I've done spiritually, there's still little kind of threads of those beliefs. Mm-hmm. And this is what I work to transform in myself. And as I do this work, I work, I offer this to others. Wow. Wow. It, it's, I truly believe that we were meant to meet up, honestly, <laughs> because one, that's what the whole show is about, right? It's about inspiring and also fighting those blocks. And I have a book that I'm actually reworking right now, and it's it's based on just a journal that where you reflect and tackle your personal blocks. However, your work is taking it to that level. Like, that's the serious work. That's where you're going in and you're facing stuff. It's so important because exactly as you said, we have all these beliefs like, you know, uh, I'm not good enough to be a writer. Um, I, I want to self-publish, but... You know, it's just a hobby. It, it, I shouldn't put any money towards it. That's uh, irresponsible or um, no one will mm-hmm. like my methods. So, so much negativity. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. And I, I completely can see how like you would, you would so, you'd go through all this work and yeah, there will, there will be remnants, but you've progressed and you've achieved this whole new state that you hadn't seen mm-hmm. years ago. Exactly. And I call it a state of being, you know, this, it's, it's a state of being. And I tell you what is at the root of that, what allows me and maybe other people like me that despite the fear, despite that voice in your head, that's telling you lies about the irresponsibility of it, that, you know, it's not worth it or it's too expensive. Um, you know, that no no one's going to like you or somehow your life is less than another person's life. Your, your story is less valuable or whatnot. What is at the root of moving forward despite the fear? Like, I would say following your dreams mm-hmm. is a very fundamental question, I believe, that each of us must ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that question is, do you believe that you are, in fact, the embodiment of a benevolent universe? Oh. Okay. So this comes from, like, this This is a, a more spiritual side of another quote, or another question, I should say, that was proposed by Albert Einstein. And he asked... Do you believe you are part of a friendly universe? Okay. And so if I take that one step deeper when I think about overcoming fears and the negativity of the mind, and I I call it the lies that you tell yourself. We tell ourselves we're not beautiful, that we are not worthy. Yeah. That we are not powerful. And those are all insidious lies. And I, so I had to ask myself that question because then it leads to another question. That if I believe that, if I hold that to be true as part of the truth of what I know is to be, then 
how is what I am experiencing in the world for my highest good? You know, like, if it's a benevolent universe, and if I am the embodiment of it, how is everything that I experience for my best and highest good? Mm-hmm. And to me, this is like the real, like the down deep, dirty part of transformation, of really owning all of your stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think if I can go one step further, it's a recognition. I, I think when you come to that understanding or belief of yourself, that truth of yourself, you recognize that you, in fact, are the creator of your own life. Mm-hmm. But you create all this stuff. You, it, it's about all the choices you've made that, have, that bring us to this moment. And then we are then asked to take responsibility for what we create. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so some people don't want that. Like, they don't want, they're like, no, no. This is this the situation I was born in, or this happened to me. Oh my God! Look at the economy. Look at the world. Um, look at look at the community. Look look who my parents are. You know. Um, look look at I I don't have whatever high intelligence. I don't take tests well. I don't you know. There's some excuse mm-hmm. that we hold on to as being responsible for our lives. And I I think that's a convenient thing. It's kind of like I hear it even in grown-up people. When something happens, they always point and they blame it on someone else. Yeah. Some people even say, the devil made me do it. Like they they don't have any other, you know, person to blame, so they blame it on the devil. Oh, yeah. Or they blame it on God or they blame it on whatever. the patriarchy, you know, mm-hmm. something made them do it. Right. And to me, when when you're always looking outward, you're not recognizing your role in the creation of your life. And I think in this world, in this vast expanse of life that we come, have come to know, we all have an important role to play. Mm-hmm. And we have to own our role in it. And so I... I I think when that happens, Maciel, we recognize that we don't like ourselves very much. There's right. there's parts of us that we don't like, and we don't want to face that. We don't we don't want to face it. And it's only through awareness, only through owning it, that you have within you the power to change it. I yeah, that's powerful. You're so right because, um, you know, I was actually going through this the other day and I've gotten through some writing blocks but I know there's still you know a lot to go through but I was like well you know I have you know this full-time job and so I was scheduling and I can't wake up that early and and I was like wait a second aren't I like in in charge of my own schedule here Right. <laughs> you know, right. Like, the looming person above me it's like no I can I can decide whenever I set my alarm you know right but that, I love that point. I love your point. You talk about writing blocks and this idea of all the all the other things in life. I've got a full-time job. I've got this. I've got that. I've got this. But then at the end of the day, who's choosing all of that? Right. You are. Yes. Right. And so 
to me, it's empowering, you know, to to say, wait a second, if if I'm choosing all this, then some things I'm going to choose, you know, I'm not going to do that anymore, or I'm not going to do that to myself anymore. And I I don't know that it's about waking up earlier or going to bed later to fit it all in. But look at what you're fitting in. Like what? Look, I, I used to live in a state of overwhelm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was always overscheduled. I always had so much to do. I would blame it on being a mother. I had a young kid. I had a full-time job. Oh, you know, I had a, a husband. I had this. I had that. I had the house to take care of. I had dinner to make. I had laundry to do. I had this and that. I had. I was making, you know, uh, an entrepreneur. I was, it was the company that wasn't funded. That was the problem. You know, this, 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 this. And I was just, like, running around with, like, a, a chicken with my head cut off. Right. Always in a state of overwhelm. One thing that I didn't know how to do back then was take autonomy over the resource that is your time, my time, mm-hmm. to to decide in favor of me, to choose me. I didn't know how to do that. And I think a lot of women suffer from that. They They have that experience of taking care of everything, everyone else. And at the end of the day, if there's any last minutes, then they get taken care of. But of course... There's never anything extra at the end of the day after they've given themselves away to every other thing. Right. And so now I, um, I've been in the gig economy, you know, been creating the human consciousness consortium. It's greater than a publishing entity. Um, it's really evolving into a media company, um, a conscious media company. And I, I took autonomy over my time, like how I'm going to spend my time. And the way that I began kind of coming out of overwhelm was I created a list of what I do want. Like what, it wasn't about things I wanted necessarily, but it was about how did I want to feel? Like what was important to me? And so before, before I kind of um, took charge of myself, um, I, I felt like I was driven by all these outside forces, my job, my boss, this and that, other, all, everything else, um, the spouse. And it was never about me standing in my, like, agency of self. And so when I recognized that that's what had to happen, that no one was going to give me agency, right. I was going to have to seize my own. I mean, this is, this belongs to me, this embodiment is mine. This life is mine, right? Um, I started writing down what did I want, like what was important to me at the time. So at the time, I, I would say this time frame that I started began the process. I'm not going to say it all happened at once, but when I began like writing this out and like really introspecting on what I wanted, I wanted to be able to show up for my son. When when there's an event at school or he's got a little show, I want to be able to be there. Mm-hmm. And 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 the life I was living, it was the job came first. Yeah. I was working in a very, I had to, you know, it was beyond the nine to five. I I had to serve that first, and then if there was time, I I could take care of my son or be there for my son. And I said, no no no, I want that to be reversed. You know, right. my priority is the relationship I have with my child. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote down that I want to be able to pick them up from school. Like I want to, like when my kid comes home, I want to be there. I want to have the 
autonomy to be there. I didn't know how to do it. The job that I was working at the time, um, I would, I, I could go home at six with all the traffic. I might get home a quarter of seven. Then it was like this rush of dinner, bath, bed. And I, I would rarely get to see my, my kid. And I certainly, I had a nanny. I had to hire someone else to do, to be his mother. Right. And I hated it. Maciel. Mm-hmm. Like I was in, in that type of life, I became ill. I, I felt ill in myself. I was tired all the time. I, I mean, I, I would, I weighed 30 pounds more. Like I was just, it was like the weight of the world on me. And then when I got clear on this, um, it, it wasn't by accident. What happened was I was laid off from that job that was working me like that. Like I, again, I was writing down all the things that I really wanted and the job was very inconsistent with that. The job provided me regular money, and so I was holding on to it because I was like, oh, but I also need to pay my bills. I also need, you know, and so the money thing was like way, I had so much priority that it, that I, that I, I allowed myself to be harmed physically, emotionally, spiritually harmed. I didn't even like the person that I was. And so, I, I, I say something like this, that you can travel along your chosen path until it is no longer sustainable. And then we must embark upon our rightful path. Mm-hmm. And what is right and wrong, that's individual. That's up to you. There is no, like, scripted right way and wrong way, but it's, like, really honing in on how do you feel inside of yourself, what feels right for you. Right. For you. And so what felt right for me was all those things that I wrote down, being healthy in myself. Um, and so I, I think if you don't take agency on your own, if you don't make the changes, I said the universe will show it to you in some very dramatic, sometimes painful way. And yeah. so for me, it was some people, it's like a diagnosis or some sort of loss of some sort. Um, for me, it was loss of that job. I got laid off. And my first reaction, it was like my nervous system was like, okay, I got to get back on the hamster. I got to do just the same thing that I'm wishing I didn't have to do. I'm like, I got to do it again because it was about survival. It was about finances. It was about money. It was about surviving. I say the embodiment, surviving my, my embodiment. And I didn't know how to do it outside of that construct, outside of being an employee. Mm-hmm. I just, I just never exercised that muscle. I know that people had done it. I did. I just didn't know how to do it. Right. And so the, <clears throat> the universe, you know, kicked me out of that job, that security, and I had to go back to that, that very low level of do I trust that I am a part of a benevolent universe. Mm-hmm. I had to go back to that core. And I, and I said, yes, I do. I believe that I believe that there is a, what I call a universal safety net, that there, you may not exist how you think you should or what, you know, have exactly, but the universe is going to hold you. It's not going to let you fall through. 
Like you're going to be held. You're going to be supported. Yeah. Again, it may not look like what you created in your mind of what supported means to you or what it looks like. In fact, it's quite messy. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I look back on it, the fact that I'm here today speaking to you lets you know that I that I was supported. I made it. Yeah. It wasn't like I said. It wasn't. Didn't look pretty. It wasn't always neat and tidy. But I did survive it. And now. I have autonomy over my time. I can be here with you. I can write six books. I can do a podcast. I can create conscious media. I can, I have a show called the money conscious show that I produce um, on the clubhouse platform. I actually have a nonprofit now. Uh, There's, Oh, I get to do that because of the choices I've made. Now there are things that, I don't have, like, I don't have the security of an employer paying me bi-weekly. I don't, that I don't have. I'm going to just put it right out there. I don't have that. Yeah. But I have something else. And I, I, and I choose it. I choose it every day. I keep choosing it. And it's very tempting, you know. Um, This journey is not an easy one, Maciel. Mm Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that the universe or whatever you believe, whatever you want to call it, um, I, I don't think it promises us ease. Yeah. It promises us growth. Mm, yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So mm-hmm. Here I am growing it out. Um, it is not an easy journey, but I believe with every fiber of my being, that it is a worthy journey. Absolutely. And I think that ties so strongly to writing a book because when we have new writers and they express their fears and their doubts, um, all of the obstacles that they feel like are truly in the way, but it all comes back to their book their message, like your message, your alignment with the universe, it needs to be put out there. And there's all these other obstacles and things that we're listening to. You know, I I totally see what you're saying. I also had like that really secure job before I had like a spinal injury and, and and, and I was holding on to it, but I was miserable. You know, (laughs) I, I, I love the job for the money I got. Right. It was was, like terrible. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just because I was dreaming myself every day, you know, and doing yeah. things. Like, and, you know, when I started to explore that just in my writing, not even not even publishing those works, but just exploring, like, well, what do I want? That started opening doors for me. Where's my alignment? What's really, what, what does Lassia really need? And I think that a lot of authors need to explore that you know not just looking at their books superficially like oh well i just i'll just you know i'll get a book but then nobody's gonna like it it's just a physical piece of paper put together it's like no your book is something more it's your truth that you need to face and bring it forward i think we stop believing in that message we we try we hold on to the reviews and your term is best selling you know <laughs> what's it gonna cost so bright right right. Mm-hmm. right i like that you brought up alignment because I think what what puts us out of alignment is 
the energy of our thoughts and our ideas, the energy of our language, what we speak, and the energy of what we truly feel. So those things are, aren't always in alignment. We may say something that we don't think, like, I want this job, but you're thinking this is miserable, <laughs> you know, um, or I wish it was different, something was different, or I hate this job, you know. Yeah. And then what's really going on in your heart, right? You, you usually have this big desire for something like, that you would love. So there's this huge disconnect. You're not in alignment. It is like all over the place. It's like a schism. Mm -hmm. And then we wonder why our life looks like such a mess. Yeah. We wonder why our bodies are such a mess. Mm -hmm. Yep. We are out of alignment. And so the idea is how do I align what I think and believe? Like how do I align my thoughts and beliefs? How do I align my language? How do I speak the same thing, and then I actually believe, I feel it. Right. Like I say I, I think about love, I say I, I love, and then I exude love. Yeah. You know, like, not that it has to be in perfect alignment every moment of every day of your life, but how do you bring yourself into alignment? So I think we have to discover what we truly want from our heart center mm -hmm. and then align that with our language and our thoughts, right? And our, you know, our beliefs and our thoughts, our beliefs that inform our thoughts, right? And so if you say I am worthy or you believe it, you know it, you're not like, I'm good enough. But then mm -hmm. you say, well, I, I, but I, I don't have, but, but I don't have training or, you know, I, I, I wasn't very good in English or whatever, whatever your excuse is. You know, mm -hmm. and then and then you tell yourself, well, no one's going to like it. You know, who am I to be an author? Oh, mm -hmm. you know, my story isn't very interesting. You know, mm -hmm. what is all that? You know, and so that I think about it like I'm going to put it in a very simple, simplistic terms. Like just imagine you go to a, a, a store and you see the beautiful coat that you that you, that you are like, oh, like. You just give it a hug. I love it. I love it. Right? Mm -hmm. And then what does your mind say? Oh, I can't. What, what's the price? I can't afford that. Oh, that's right. too good for me. Maybe I shouldn't get that right now. You know, is it, you know, quality, you know, but in your heart, you're just like, you cannot stop thinking about it. And so I, I tell you, I tell myself stuff like this. When I have that love feeling for something, I'm getting it. It may not be, it may not be in that moment, but I know that I'm getting it. And so I, I trust my heart. And so how, how is that going to show up? Maybe I, in my heart, I love it. And then in my bank account says, well, it's not all there yet. Right. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to let the universe work for me. Right. Sometimes I tell myself I'm going to be with this love feeling, and if I still have it tomorrow, then I'm going to go get it. You know, like I, I literally trust my heart. Mm -hmm. I, I, I believe myself worthy of it. Yeah. There's things that I think are beautiful, and I really, like, I would love it, like, enjoy it so much. And, you know, 
the, the universe, I believe, bends over backwards to make it possible for you. It might mm. be surprise money. It may be someone gifts it to you. And you're like, what? How do they even know? Maybe you you go, you take it to the register, and they say, you know what? This is 30% off. You're like, what? I have no idea. I was like, oh, my God. No. Yeah. <laughs> I love when that happens. This was discontinued. It's 50% off. You know, you're like, I can't believe it. You know? Yeah. But to me, that is the power of the universe. That's the power of it. If you allow, if you align it, if you say, yeah, you love it, you say, I'm getting, that's for me, I'm getting that. And you believe in your mind that there is a way. There is, that it's all lined up. Surely you will have that being of your desire, that object of your desire. I love that. Oh, yes. And I, oh, wow. (laughs) You can feel it. You can feel that truth, that the release, you know. Oh, my gosh, Susan. All right. So so then, okay, so I'm, I'm guessing other writers are like me right now. And they're like, yes, Susan, that is, that's what I need. I need to unblock. I need to have or find this courage. I want to find this love within myself. Um, how do they even begin? Even so, they want to have a conversation with you. What can they expect when they first sign up with you, or coach with you? Um, even read some your your, your book, um, the duality of being. What do they sure. Begin? Yeah, I I offer my. I think what you can expect from me, you can find through my website and my social channels. So if you visit www.susannicholas.org, and I'm sure this will be in the show notes, you can see uh, what's there um, that uh, can be offered. There's also a place if you're interested in working one-on-one, whether it's energy healing or, you know, one-on-one coaching. On my social channels, on Clubhouse, you can find me at Conscious Susan. Um, I host, it's free, host the Money Consciousness Show on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time. 7 a.m. Pacific, and there's recordings. Uh, I'm on Instagram at Conscious Susan. I get little tips, just like we're talking about here in my posts. If that's if that's where you are, and that's what you, that helps you, I a follow is like currency. You know, um, I talk a lot about the energy of money and the continuum of wealth. Uh, I'm on, I have a new TikTok account at Conscious Susan where I, I give these conscious tips about life. Um, Again, you can, you can, I guess, consume as much as you wish and where you are. And, uh, you know, join me at LinkedIn. I'm at Susan Nicholas MD. I often post my podcast there. You can find my podcast on anywhere you listen to your podcast. It's called the Be Conscious Podcast. And I do conversations like this. And sometimes I do what I call solo cast, where I speak about conscious topics and that people like to hear more about. And I, everything is from this perspective. Yeah. Uh, my children's books, uh, my first one is called Two Parts of Me. I'm More Than My Body really uh, hones in on intuition, like trusting yourself. And this is for kids, uh, five to ten years old, kindergarten yeah. through fourth grade. And my second book is called The Death of Cupcake. Mm-hmm. And it's about... Children, when we are still children, when we experience the loss, whether it be a pet, 
a parent, grandparent, any higher order of death, yeah. how we can process process that energy so we don't carry it over into our adulthood. Those those energies of grief, yeah. or or understanding or confusion. And so everything that I write and do is from a conscious perspective. I have a TEDx called the Money Consciousness Overcoming Generational Poverty, and I have other talks um, online that I've done in New York City. I'm an international speaker. I've spoken around the world on topics of women's empowerment, uh, particularly when it comes to their money story. And I speak about something called the continuum of wealth. And the idea about the continuum of wealth is that it's, infinitely more than just dollars and cents or whatever currency that you transact in. It is about your relationships, your health. It's about your connections, your ideas, your partnerships, your, your clients. It is about the autonomy over the resource that is your time. When you really take inventory of the entire continuum of wealth, you realize that you're infinitely wealthy. It, is, it may only be your circumstance that is not, but you as a divine being of light are infinitely wealthy. And sometimes it takes a little bit of a reminder to come back into that, to remember who you are and what you do have. It's very seductive to fall into the thinking of what you don't have or what you believe you don't have or what you're lacking. And that carries us into cycles and patterns that recur and recur, and we wonder why we can't get out of them. But think about what is really recurring. It's a thought. It's a belief. It's an energy. And I, I do speak about transforming energies, and I realize it takes sometimes more than words. Sometimes it re, re, this is something I believe that is on the ancestral line. Like we can see it generation after generation after generation. Sometimes I would say some of these energies aren't ours. Like, you know, we didn't create it, but we carry it with us in this body from generations past. Yeah. If we believe that we have, you know, great grandma's big toe and uncle so-and-so's <laughs> walk or laugh or hair or whatever, could we not also be carrying the energy or the beliefs from past generations with us? Yeah. And there may have been things that our ancestors did not know how to transform, just like we don't, you know, just like we're not born know, just knowing how to be free of all of this. But if you're coming into awareness right now in this time and space and this embodiment, then you are carrying the light for generations forwards and backwards. And you have within you the power to, to change it, to change it. For those that have passed and that those that will come after you. Mm -hmm. So it is quite powerful when you take up this torch of, of consciousness, of awareness, of transformation. Because then you begin to realize the power that you hold within you. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Susan. And, um, you know, I, I, that's actually, it's a good Point for us to wrap and then we know we're almost out of time but i did want to ask one more question and uh, you, you brought this up um you have two children's books and i was just curious why the children's books you know because you wrote you know the duality of being um, and then you decide to go for these very needed and, and hard topics for children but i was curious mm -hmm. where did that stem from 
It, it's been from my energy healing practice when I realized that you know, my beliefs were upended, when I believed that what was ailing me as an adult was from my circumstance of poverty in childhood, in early childhood when I was born. And I realized that our children, even when they have all of their needs met, still carry, I would say, heavy energies or things that um, belief systems or fears or what, whatever it is, insecurities, despite having everything. And so I, I began to see it as what I call a carryover, that we don't, no one comes to earth for free. Nobody just gets a free ride and just enjoys all their miraculous things about earth. We all have learning to do. And part of the learning is about the external world. But I think a great part of this journey is about the inner world, the inner part of you, learning about who you are as a being. And uh, that's the kind of stuff we don't get to learn at school. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we never learn how to transform energy. <clears throat> but I believe there's been a shift in awareness where we're recognizing the importance um, you know what's called mindfulness. Now I I feel deeper than the mind, but the mind. This is what I've come to understand about it. The mind is in service to the body in this third dimensional world. It helps us to live here, to live on this planet. So we must honor it. But guess what? The mind is not driving the bus. We let it. You know, we let it rule everything. But the mind isn't the boss of you. It's the goddess within you that is. It's the soul of you, that energy, that life force of you. And that extends far beyond the corporal mind and all its connections and synapses and neurons and whatnot. It's, it's so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And so we can learn to tame this mind of ours, to honor it for what it does and what it's purposes, but also to call it out when it tells us lies. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so it's about really who's driving the bus. Right. And spoiler alert, it is not the mind of us, it's not the ego, it's not that from that place, but it's from the place of the soul. Mm-hmm. From the heart or the spirit or the essence. That's what's really um, behind you or within you. Oh, well, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Susan. Um, and I, this is, this has been wonderful. I would love to bring you back here when you finish your next book. Um, and there's so much to talk about. <laughs> so I, I would love to have you back on again. And for everyone, just as a reminder, um, you can find Susan at susannicholas.org. Um, you're on Instagram. You're on, uh, let's see, you have your podcast. Please name your resources again, just for anybody who's taking notes in the car right now. <laughs> susannicholas.org. That's um, uh, my name and the name of my website. You can also find me on Instagram at ConsciousSusan, Conscious.Susan. You can find me on Clubhouse at ConsciousSusan. 
You can find me on TikTok at Conscious Susan. Uh, you can find me on YouTube for the Human Consciousness Consortium. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn at Susan Nicholas MD. Um, I've had that network when I was practicing medicine, and I've kept it. You know, it's been the same. But you'll see now that I I do more. I you know heal what ails the soul more than, uh, and and it it also heals the body more than cutting open the body. I used to be a surgeon, yeah. and so um, yeah, those are my resources. Thank you so much, Susan, from the How to Write a Book podcast. Thank you for your time, for your energy here. It was lovely, and we can't wait to connect again. Yes, thank you, Marcial. It has been a great pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today's episode of the How to Write a Book podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to keep up with me and my work, check out the website, blackheartedstudios.com. That's www.blackheartedstudios.com. And follow me on Instagram, at Maciel Writes. That's at M-A-S-S-I-E-L Writes. As a book coach and publisher, I'm passionate about helping aspiring authors bring their stories to life. So if you've been dreaming of writing a book and don't know where to start, head to my website and let's chat. You get a free 30 minutes on me. Thanks again for listening and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks.